listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We're discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore Retreat. It's great to be back in studio with you, Simone. Although sitting across as opposed to next to you, I know, it's very this weird. this new configuration. I can't hit you like I usually do in between the segments. Yeah, well... <laughs> I guess uh, it's fall. It finally feels like we're getting some cool temperatures. I know. You know, it's a little warm here and there, but then it'll cool down, which is always yeah. nice. It'll so. be really nice. I'm excited about today's show. Yeah. we my got, show this time. Yeah, yeah. Your people on... Mm-hmm. Uh, shout out. Some homations. A lot mm-hmm. of some shout Some Thibodeauans. Yeah. Thibodeauans. <laughs> well, and this is obviously... I mean, I had... I think we talked about this in a prior episode, but I had the pleasure of visiting a class at Nichols State University uh, in a communications class. And we talked a little bit about the work we do and the opportunities that exist for students and others to pursue careers on coastal issues. So we're having the folks here yes. at our studio um, today to talk more about that. Yes, excited about that. They had some news this week, some bird stuff that you probably liked. Yeah, the birds are always in the news these days. Um, Tristan Bark with Times Picayune did a story. He, uh, he does. He is really great about reporting on um, the impact that you know land loss has on bird species in Louisiana, how vital Louisiana's coastal wetlands and ecosystems are a n- numerous amount of bird species. So this week it focused on the black rail, which is an elusive marsh bird. As, and I actually uh, knew something about Eric it, Johnson, which I think is your yeah. birdness rubbing off on me. Would uh, would say, but basically um, our team has been going out to parts of Southwest Louisiana at night and doing these nighttime surveys uh, kind of in the cane and flushing them out. Um, you know, they're suspected to be endangered. And okay. so they're being pe- petitioned right now to potentially be on we put on the endangered species list. Okay, so, so we'll talk about that we'll soon. We'll talk about that more, yeah. Good, good, good. Well, let's start talking to our guest that we have today. Um, we have Dr. Jay Clune, who became the president of Nichols State University January 1, 2018. Yes. Can't turn back now. Nope. <laughs> Too late. So, Dr. Clune, welcome to the show. Thank you. So I have this very long bio um, on you, which has a very impressive resume, but I really just want to talk about you because you're from Homa and am. we have that in common. And you actually have things in common with Jacques too, Ooh. but why don't you start off by telling us a little bit about yourself? Yeah, well, um, I'm from Homa. I'm accompanied by my wife here, Allison, who's uh, behind me, my better half. And she's a Plaquemines, yes? She is a uh, Plaquemines, but also New Orleans. Nice. Uh, New Orleans gal that I met in graduate school, and, and that's what brought me back to Louisiana. And we are blessed to be at Nichols. Uh, it's a great place, great place to call home, great place to be back to. So what brought you back to Nichols in particular? Yeah, well, be president of Nichols State University, my, my alma mater, that, that was a huge thing for us. Uh, we had a very good life in Pensacola. Um, it wasn't home to us. It was certainly home to our children, but we always wanted to get back to Louisiana. When the job opened at Nichols, uh, it was just a natural. I put my name in. I actually assured my 15-year-old daughter I would not get the job, <laughs> which uh, didn't work out for her. <laughs> but, you must uh, have owed her something, yes. <laughs> I, I think I'm going to owe her the rest of my life. Yeah, <laughs> But uh, getting home, and uh, my parents are up in age. Um, Allison's parents is up in age and and we just thought it was a good time to come home and the opportunity to lead nickel state is a once in a lifetime so uh it all worked out so we participated in some investiture ceremonies um which i didn't that's a nice that's a fancy name but your family was there and it was really nice to see that yeah you know 
you never think in 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 this line of work you're going to get to go home. Uh, it's very hard to get back home when you're a professor or an administrator, and to be able to come home and have your parents still alive to witness the investiture and you become president. My dad is now 88. My mom is in her 80s, so uh, that was special. And uh, to be among friends and family, my my sisters, most of them are still in Homa, uh, nieces, nephews. So we had a big crowd. It was nice to see yeah, you. The family connection is so great. And my grandfather was actually a Homa native who married a Plaquemines, New Orleans, uh, you know, native. So there's a connection there. But uh, Simone tells me you also ha uh, were a Latin American studies. Uh, you got your graduate degree in Latin American studies. Is that correct? I did. Um, I finished Nichols. I was in marketing and uh, I finished in 86. And, and you guys are too young to remember. 86 was a very bad year in the oil patch. And so I was trying to figure out what was next, and I went into the Peace Corps in Guatemala and spent two years there. And when I came back, I wanted to know more about the country I'd served in. So I went to the University of Alabama. They offered a pretty good deal to Louisiana residents coming out of the Peace Corps. So I started there, and I met my wife, and, and, and I was convinced I had to get home to Louisiana. And I, that's why I finished my Ph.D. at LSU. I still did Latin America, uh, wrote a dissertation on... Uh, female religious in Cuba, and then I wrote a book on uh, Spanish Pensacola. So I stayed in the field. I just did it from Louisiana. <laughs> and, you know, my mother was actually from Guatemala, and I was a Latin American studies major. So being there in the 80s in the Peace Corps, that must have been quite an experience. Quite, uh, It was a t kind of a difficult time for the country. Is that... Well, you know, it, we, we rarely saw that. You know, in the countryside, I was in the east. The west, um, there were guerrilla uh, wars. But in the east, there wasn't that much going on. The, the way we'd notice is perhaps the Peace Corps volunteers would be invited to see the president. And then, Bill, you can't see the president. There was a coup this week. And, you know, so you were, you were off the invite list. But um, oh my. <laughs> we didn't see any of the uh, warfare in the east that they had in the west. And... Uh, it was a wonderful experience. I mean, every, Alice and I always talk, wherever you are, people are nice and kind and generous. And certainly in Guatemala, they took care of me. Do you travel back often? or No, yeah. no. It, I never traveled back there. My life took me in different directions. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Jacques, you just went back. Yeah, uh, in, in April in Antigua, which is kind of right outside the Guatemala city. Yeah. Old Spanish colonial town. Yeah, beautiful. And Dr. Kloon, do I remember you saying you actually worked at the Corps of Engineers? Did I remember I did. Um, when I was in... You're just uh, a wealth of radio content, too, by the way. We could go <laughs> in all these different directions. Yeah. When I was in graduate school at LSU, I worked at the Corps of Engineers. I worked in their cultural resource management, and I was a historian that went on, went on an archaeology field school in order to do that, so... Like, you know, you always say that you Boots won't get his own Twitter handle because no. then no one would follow you. So uh -oh. I wasn't even going to bring Boots up. But since you did, everybody's yeah. okay this week. You know, I wrote him out slow. When I, when I interviewed for this job, Allison um, said, um, you know, don't talk about your dog. She said, uh, <laughs> people think you're weird. Just don't talk about your dog. So I didn't talk about my dog for a while. And I kind of rolled him out on Facebook and Twitter, and immediately everybody wanted him to have his own Twitter handle and own Facebook page. There are page. cardboard wow. cutouts of Boots, yeah. and at football games and tailgates, people line up to take pictures with Boots. So not to make you talk He's more about too. your dog, but what kind of dog is Boots? He's a mixture uh, between a boxer and a, um, a hound of some sort. He's a, he's a beautiful dog and very smart and uh, very manipulative and very moody, <laughs> which... Uh, 
A little spoiled? Very spoiled. (laughs) He's still adjusting, so he's also working that angle where he tries to get more. Well, Dr. Kloon, will you stay with us through the break? We're going to bring on uh, Nicole Boudreaux after that um, so we can talk about our experience at Nichols and we can talk about um, it being closest to the coast. Great. Thank you. You're listening to Delta Dispatches every Thursday from 5 to to 6 p.m. on WGSO 990 a.m. We'll be right back. Hi, I'm Don Cheadle. Listen up. I want to talk to you about something important, the Environmental Defense Fund. EDF isn't like some of the other environmental groups. EDF works together with those on both sides of the issue. Despite all the fighting in Washington, EDF has found ways for both parties to support real progress. That has made our air and water cleaner and the products in our homes safer. So not only can our planet prosper, so can our future. Go to edf.org to see how you can help. National Wildlife Federation gives voices to the wildlife conservation values that are part of our country's heritage. We are charting a new course for wildlife that our children and grandchildren will thank us for. Visit our website, nwf.org Louisiana, to find out more about our work to restore and protect coastal Louisiana for generations to come. National Wildlife Federation, uniting all Americans to ensure wildlife thrive in a rapidly changing world. nwf.org Louisiana. At Audubon, we believe that where birds thrive, people prosper. Nowhere is that more evident than in Louisiana. Integrating science, education, and policy, Audubon, Louisiana's mission is to conserve and restore natural ecosystems, focusing on birds, other wildlife, and their habitats for the benefit of humanity and the Earth's biological diversity. Visit la.audubon.org to learn more and support our mission. la.audubon.org. Restore a Retreat is a coastal nonprofit organization working in the heart of the Barataria and Terrebonne Basins, from the Mississippi River to the Atchafalaya. We work every day to restore Louisiana's coast community and culture with our mission of implementing long-term and large-scale projects for our irreplaceable region. We'll hope you join us in supporting the solution. Check us out on Twitter, Facebook, and online at www.restoreorretreat.org. And we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online via our podcast at deltadispatches.org. Um, speaking of podcasts, so we're here with the president of Nichols State University, Dr. Jay Clune. So, Dr. Clune, you're no stranger to podcast yourself. Is that correct? Tell you, us about... Are you our competition? Is this Miss, Miss Tori. <laughs> no, I'm no competition. Uh, I was so impressed the, the way you two ad-lib. Um, we tried in, in Florida, we tried this this uh, podcast called Mystery, spelled like history. And the idea was is to use unsolved mysteries to teach history. So, um, we our first story, for example, is this guy named Hank Killam, who, uh, who was... Uh, from Pensacola, moved to Dallas. Uh, his best friend lived with Lee Harvey Oswald. His mm-hmm. wife danced in uh, Jack Ruby's strip club. So um, <laughs> he came home to Pensacola. Did he do some research there on that? <laughs> yeah. Came home to Pensacola and was convinced someone was trying to kill him because he was involved in the Kennedy assassination. And so he was, he was really weirded out by that. Well, middle of the night, uh, a few days after he got home, um, we get a call. He had apparently tried to commit suicide by jumping through a storefront window on Palafox Street in downtown Pensacola and bled out on the sidewalk. So uh, all the conspiracy theorists thought he was somehow involved in the 
in the Kennedy assassination. So we took that story as a way of teaching the history of Palafox Street, which is the main street in Pensacola, how it went from a, a seedy place with strip joints and a really rough Navy crowd to being now an entertainment district. And it was just voted the, uh, the best main street in Florida. So we told that history through the, through the mystery of Hank Killam. That's very and, interesting. Uh, yeah. The challenge was, is I was writing the history, and we had uh, some of my colleagues who were narrating the podcast, and it wasn't as natural as the two of you, so we were struggling to find that perfect balance. You should go back and listen to episodes yeah. Yeah. four yeah. through <laughs> yeah. 25. Yeah. I don't know. It takes some time. You're probably going to go back and listen to this episode <laughs> and be like, yeah, those two. Let me tell you. Um, I was also reading that you have um, an app called Next Exit History, and that uses GPS, right, to tell a story? Yeah. You know... Um, couple things about that we we had this idea that uh families traveling to florida most people drive to the theme parks in in central florida would want to learn about the state of florida i don't know why we thought that but the idea was as they passed an interstate exit they would get the history of the upcoming town as long as it was less than 10 minutes off the interstate off-ramp so we developed this grant and uh, we asked for money we got the money we developed this app and it uh, told the history of the towns along the interstate of, uh, of Florida. We, we actually got the grant before the iPhone was invented. The iPhone has been more successful than us. <laughs> um, I think that's neat. Yeah, I think you could really have some Louisiana stories, right? I mean, you could have a ton of stories. We always think about that when you're on a road trip mm -hmm. and you're like, oh, I just want to take a break, but where do I go? And you don't want to go to like fast food restaurant or something if right. you could see a historic town yep. you know that would be so cool and also uh, our organizations partner quite a bit with a volunteer pilot organization called yeah. South Wings and so they donate their time and we do a lot of coastal flyovers with them and um, Jacques more than I I must say Jacques likes to fly the coast but um, one of the pilots developed an app so that if one of us couldn't be up there as a guide it uses GPS coordinates and it tells you when you hit that GPS coordinate it tells you about the project that you're seeing or what you're seeing on the ground and so i always thought that was a really neat application of of using technology for something like that so maybe that'll be our million dollar idea next that you, might be you stick with us i will so can we talk about nickels and um it being closest to the coast when you came to nickels you know was that something that surprised you that nickels didn't do as much coastal work or um were you satisfied with the coastal work that they were doing but just knew there was more tell us about the coastal opportunities you see at nichols yeah well you know I, I, the thing that surprised me the most when i came home was seeing trailers on pylons i had never seen that uh in my early days fishing along the coast i grew up there um when i came to nichols a, a few things struck me as um discovering through bitnap and others that the land was eroding faster in this Barataria Terrebonne estuary than anywhere else on the planet, and realizing that a large percentage of our student population comes from this region. So um, I began to think we probably have one of the most environmentally threatened student populations on Earth, and Nichols cannot survive without it's the region it's in, the Bayou region, and the Bayou region cannot survive without Nichols. I, I firmly believe that. Uh, we're the closest university to the coast, so if not Nichols, then who is going to save the coast? We're not doing the research that you might see at an LSU, but we are doing the applied uh, research, the planning in the ground, all the uh, monitoring that is needed. So we are here. Uh, we're not leaving. Uh, I always say colonels don't retreat, although I spend a lot of time at the colonel's retreat as a young man. Um, 
the fact that we're closest to the coast, I think we have a special obligation and responsibility to preserve this region because this is the region we serve. No other university serves this region. So that's really where it came from. You know, and Simone likes to make fun of me about my uh, frequent field trips um, during work hours. But the first field trip I ever took on in this job was um, a, a trip to Nichols, um, where we had a, a team of researchers there that were demoing drone technology and how they're using drones. I mean, these really impressive ones that take off like an airplane, not the helicopter ones, to pinpoint and monitor and measure changes in the environment and restoration projects and, and the precision with which they can get that data and those images is, was so incredible. So I was like, so that was my first field trip, Simone, just in case you were wondering. Very nice. I like it. I like it. But that's one thing that Nichols is, you know, got a little niche there mm -hmm. and, and does really well. I mean, we have the Lumcon camp. We have the that's farm. Right. I say right. this all the time. I went to Nichols. I did not know we had a farm until I was at Restore Retreat. And I did not go to the farm right. until I went with Cynthia Duet of Audubon maybe two months ago. Wow. So, wow. Yeah. You know, I didn't, I didn't know we had a farm either. Um, and, and I heard we had this 500 acre farm and I thought, man, that's fantastic. And then I heard, uh, no, it's, it's about 400 acres, but there's a condemned building on it. And then I heard, no, no, it's about 277 acres and a four condemned buildings. So it kept <laughs> shrinking and the number of condemned buildings kept growing. And, and the, the barn itself is about the size of an aircraft carrier. So, that's quite a condemned building, but there's a lot going on. Bitnap has yeah. uh, has greenhouses. We have greenhouses, and we're trying to establish a cross-country course out there. I love that. And Dr. Quentin Fontenot is out there a lot. And, yeah. you know, you talked about applied science, but people like Dr. John Ducey that Jacques and I have had a chance to interact with several times. We actually got Dr. Ducey to do a lunch and learn for all of our staff on Caminata and the, and the hurricane. The former guest of the show. Yes, yeah. yes. And Dr. Gary LaFleur. And you have all, and, and you have somebody like Nicole Boudreaux, right? Yes. Brought her along. Yes. So, Nikki, tell us, do you think your interest in Coast and tying it to your um, classes at Nichols? Well, I guess let, let us introduce you. This is Nicole Boutreau. She's a mass comm instructor at Nichols. Tell us how you kind of wove those two things together. Well, I think it goes back to, it was around 2003 maybe, that I went to one of the first Barnstorm mm -hmm. events that Restore Retreat put on, and I saw the maps that showed you know, this is what they expect the lane to look like, you know, 2020, 2030, 2040, 2050. And it was eye-opening. I mean, this was, we weren't talking a whole lot about the coast at that time. And Restore Retreat was really up and coming. And so I started to gain interest in it. So we did a few projects over time in the Mass Comm Department. We did a high school journalism workshop during the summer, one summer, and took kids to LumCon. We did a few class projects over time for BitNap or with you guys. And we never actually pulled it into a formal course offering. But um, in 2016, I started working with BitNap on their um, CCMP mm -hmm. project, and right. I chaired the public relations part of that. And Which so, kind of like their master plan. Yes, right. like their master plan. So in working with that, I realized we really had an opportunity to teach environmental communication, that there was so much to be done, not just from a journalistic standpoint, but also from a science communication standpoint and from a public relations standpoint. So that's where that idea came from to marry those two things into a course. 
And um, Nikki, as I mentioned earlier, Simone and I had the pleasure of coming to your class and presenting to your students about a little bit about the work that um, we do in our day-to-day roles, including this radio show and podcast. Mm-hmm. I know one of the things that you emphasize in your class um, is multi-platform storytelling. So we're yes. about to go into a break, but I would love for you to talk uh, to our listeners a little bit about why it's important to reach people with your message across different mediums, across sure. different platforms, and then how your students have really applied that. So. Okay. Um, if you all don't mind holding on, we're, we're going into a break, but we'll be right back with Dr. Jay Clune and Nikki Boudreau of Nichols State University. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. We're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. And we are here with Dr. Jay Clune and Nikki Boudreau with Nichols State University. Um, Nikki, you're an instructor of mass communications at Nichols. Um, and, you know, we were talking about this a little bit before the break. That role and mass communications in general has changed so much in like not even a decade, every year. It's just right. changing so rapidly and, and how we can do storytelling and how we can get messages out um, has changed. So how do you apply that within your classroom and why is it important, especially for coastal environmental issues that we're teaching and reaching people in different ways? Well, like you said, communication changes daily and the way we reach people is meeting them where they are. And so for us to just teach people how to, let's say, write long form journalism for newspapers is not going to reach the particular audience that you need to reach. So what the students are doing, for example, in this class, is they are finding particular coastal issues, everything from um, nutria being an invasive species to um, freshwater diversion projects to um, the master plan. And they're looking at ways that they can tell those stories in different ways so that the audience can understand. So everything from creating infographics and video packages to doing the long-form enterprise reporting and photo essays and things that can be shared in blog posts so that this content can actually meet the users where they are. Our audience is not just in one place anymore. So you can't just say like 30 years ago we could put it in the daily newspaper and figure we're going to reach the large majority of our audience. Today it's not going to work that way. So teaching students how to create this content that will reach people across platforms and actually meet them where they are. And I guess for them too, it's such useful skill building because you think about like the media landscape these days and even, you know, like television reporters, they're sometimes doing their own editing and they're, you know, even camera work. And so to be a journalist or a communicator, you have to kind of know it all, right? Yes. Students today are being trained to be multimedia journalists. They're not just going out and covering for print or for broadcast. Today is convergence media. So if you're learning to be a journalist, you know how to do everything from write it to shoot it to edit it take pictures for it create infographics for it design the page so students are learning how to do it all well and i will say that um we had the pleasure at audubon well we still do um we had a fellowship uh, the walker fellowship um and it was a nichols alum harmony hamilton that uh, i believe went through that program and she was our fellow for a long time and we loved having her in louisiana but then the big folks up in New York were like, no, 
Sorry, she's she's working for us now. So she's on Audubon's national uh, content team and doing a lot of the social media work for them. And so we're very proud of her. But we were sad to see her go. But you know, she's having a great time in the Big Apple. So. Yeah, she's That's in awesome. her. She's in the Nichols magazine too. Um, when I was outstanding PR graduate in the mass comm department, yeah, bragging. Um, she was. Uh, I never once stepped foot in the television studio, and I avoided uh, Dr. Shaslin's class. Um, I don't know how you did that. <laughs> he um, went off um abroad to work right and that class was probably never so packed ever than all of us trying to take that class so i am i am sad that i skipped out on some of those things i did work at knsu um and so but i I did miss out on that kind of cross-cutting thing i'm too old for all that stuff anyway but it would have been nice it would have been nice and i can see how that applies every day i see the work that Jacques does and the amazing team that he works with and their skill set and you know, it, it is everything. You know, they can do everything from layout to social media to everything. So that is really impressive. It's true. And I mean, when I was in school as well, you either did print or you did broadcast or you yeah. did PR. I did print and PR and avoided broadcast like the plague. I didn't want to have anything to do with it. But today, that's that's the name of the game. You've got to be able to do all of it, even if you're in public relations. And y'all, are having, y'all also actually encourage or require them to have internships too, correct? Yes. Students are required to do internships. That's great. What kind of research did you have to do for this class to get ready for it? For you and for and to give the students to be ready for it? Part of it on the academic side was studying environmental communication, what makes people respond to the way certain stories are told, going into things like Maslow's hierarchy of needs and all that good stuff. But then on the practical side, it was just a lot of deep diving into coastal issues and reaching out to the contacts that I've been lucky enough to create over the years, like you and Joni Tuck with the port, Susan Testred Bajeron mm-hmm. with Bitnap. We've been blessed to have been able to find some really good people who are excited about helping the students and um, creating connections for them too. The students, even on their own, went out to Lumcon. Some went, did a boat trip with uh, Jean Lafitte um, Park in Thibodeau that they do a boat trip three days a week on Bayou Lafouche. So we, there's so many opportunities here in our culture for students to reach out and interact with people. So it was a lot of contact making on the front end. So Nikki, if you had to grade us, uh, us as in like the royal us, how, how would you say that we're doing on environmental communications, especially about our land loss issue? Do you grade on a 10 point scale? Do we need? To- I do grade on a 10 point scale. <laughs> you know, I think that you, you really want honest. a great, yeah, want a great sure. grade? Mm-hmm. I think in general, about a B minus. Oh, that's not too bad. No. There you go, Jacques. Always room for I'm a solid B kind yeah. of girl. I'm good with and that. you know, and the only reason why I say it is because I think that there are so many messages coming from so many different places that people aren't always sure what to listen to. So I think that, and this is something that I heard being discussed at that America's Wetland mm-hmm. Forum just a few weeks ago that mm-hmm. we went to that the coastal advocacy organizations and industry need to figure out what the message is going to be. Is it resiliency? What what are we advocating for? And then coming together with one voice and letting that one voice be what actually reaches the people. So I think that that's the only reason why I knocked you down from I would, And I would 100% agree with that. I mean, I think it's just such a large scale issue and there's so many players involved that like having sort of a cohesive message is just like, how do you do that? But we absolutely need to 
to deal with the crisis it's, that it's we're such facing. A, it's such a negative story in so many ways. And so how do you leave people with that kind of like hope and opportunity? And I think that's what Jacques and I struggle with. You know, even when we do these flyovers, people go on the flyovers and like, oh, I didn't know it was that bad. You know, and and then, but then some people's reaction was like, "Oh, I think that you know we're doing something about it." So mm-hmm. you have to walk the line about you know it being kind of a terrible message, but that there's hope out there, and then not to mention the science, and and then there's people mixed in with that, when, and then there's companies and jobs and businesses, and, and so. But I think that I have a renewed hope. I really do. After just what we've seen and done this semester, the people are so resilient. The stories they have to tell are incredible. The work that you guys are doing, I mean, when I stepped foot on Elmer's Island and saw that new white sand, I couldn't believe it. Yeah, I couldn't wait to kick amazing. off my shoes and put my toes <laughs> in the water and stand there and realize I'm standing on new beach, yeah. new land. So I think there's a lot of hope out there. And I think that the message has changed from when I first started interacting with Restore Retreat in the early 2000s. The message has changed. It doesn't seem to be retreat anymore for most of us you know it seems right. we don't want there is yeah. so much hope yeah and it was always always a threat and and charlotte bollinger who's great and, and a huge supporter of dr clune you know she always talks about that name and it was always a threat and then to some people it was the reality and and then now we want people to know it, it we don't want it to be the only option you right. know what more can we do so nikki what tell us what you're looking forward to in your class um what you have y'all produce something right we are, well, in the process. In the, the process. students are working on their second set of um, stories right now. So they're storytelling in lots of different formats. We've got infographics, some photo essays, several video packages. And we're working with the capstone pro- class that all of our students have to take a capstone course in Convergence Media before they graduate. That class is taught every semester and it has a different topic each semester. Well, this semester their topic is water. So we are creating content that they will also be using on their online magazine called God Voici, which comes out at the end of the semester. So a lot of the content that we're creating, you'll be able to see it there. Very cool. Very cool. Are you still at the Nicholsworth? Yes, So I talk am. about how things are different, right? It's online. Oh, gosh, how things are different. Yes, the Nicholsworth has changed so much since I started working there when I was a student in 1994. You know, it's today we are a daily digital news publication where we used to be a weekly tabloid print newspaper. We um, have a monthly magazine. We have now converged with KNSU, our radio station. We also now have KNSU TV, so a TV station that's going to be online very soon. Very cool. And uh, our La Pirog yearbook. So all of those things have now converged under one umbrella, and we've been able to do that with tremendous support from our administration and Dr. Clune and there's some exciting things that have been happening in student media. Is there a website where people can go to kind of check out some of the content? Yes, it's thenicholsworth.com. And if you are interested in checking out God Voici, when it comes out, it's nichols.edu slash Mako, and you can get to the link there. Awesome. Very cool. Well, when we come back from the break, we want to bring Dr. Clune back, and we're going to wrap it up. We haven't done fun questions. I know, I got one. Okay. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. So we'll be back from the break with Nicole Boudreau and Dr. Jay Clune. You're listening to Delta Dispatches every week on WGSO 990 AM.
and we're back. You're listening to Delta Dispatches on WGSO 990 AM, always available online at deltadispatches.org. We are discussing Louisiana's coast, its people, wildlife, and jobs, and why restoring it matters. I'm Jacques Hebert with Audubon, Louisiana. And I'm Simone Malaz with Restore or Retreat. Um, Louisiana is definitely a Halloween place, right? Love Halloween. It's fun. Lots of history, culture. So we have a fun question for you guys. It's two questions, but you can only answer one of them. So um, one of you gets, what is your favorite Halloween candy? And the other one gets, what is your favorite Halloween tradition? Go. Dr. Clunes in the um, Tradition. Um, oh, you took the hard one. Go Well, <laughs> it's, it's pretty simple. I eat my kids' candy. <laughs> Very funny. <laughs> Nicole, do you eat your girl's candy? Uh, just the chocolate. <laughs> but you have to separate the chocolate from the other stuff or else the chocolate starts to taste nasty. Oh, yeah. Are you more Reese's or? Absolutely. Yeah, okay. 100% Reese's peanut butter cups. Nice. Your girls are getting big too. Do they trick or treat? Are they out of that? No, they're kind of out of it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. You can come it's, with mine. It's sad. No, that's okay. <laughs> that's okay just be grateful we didn't ask what your be- your favorite or best Halloween costume was <laughs> we maybe need to talk about that off air yeah. that's again why Shock and I don't answer the questions so um, it was actually homecoming week so Dr. Clooney got to actually spend a real legitimate homecoming right yeah. it's also Nichols anniversary Nikki you brought uh, one of Jacques and I's friends John Snell in right yes. for an anniversary lecture yes I did he came in about a month ago and spoke to students in the mass comm program he was wonderful he took some time to speak just with the students in the environmental comm class and then opened up his lecture as one of the anniversary lectures and it was great giving the students an idea of what it's like to actually be out there covering the coast for as long as he has and him giving them tips on storytelling and telling him telling us some of his most memorable storytelling experiences he was wonderful was it when he was in a helicopter with simone (laughs) (laughs) and simone almost puked on him no he didn't good did not tell that one thank you i appreciate that john snell's the gentleman (laughs) so dr clune let's talk about um my digs over at uh nichols state university i guess technically dr clune is my landlord i hope i am a good tenant um but you have some exciting things that you're working on back to some of your roots back in pensacola right an incubator yeah, um, back in Pensacola, we had what we call the Innovation Institute, and uh, Next Exit History, the, the mobile app, was incubated there, among other things, and we were working on a larger-scale incubator and a network of innovation institutes across Northwest Florida. Well, when I came here, um, I didn't see that, and, and what I saw was a an old residential complex, the Babington Complex, that, that you're uh, in, as well as Bitnap and uh, a few others, and um, we thought this is the perfect place to create a business incubator accelerator and we started looking for money i think we got some state money to redo the place uh, we just visited the uh, lsu innovation park yesterday we've been visited the opportunity machine at ul we visited the seed center at mcneese and we have a pretty good idea what we want to do and first give you the penthouse that's, yes. that's the first yes guarantee Thank and you. then um we're going to knock down all the walls on the first floor, create a shared co-work space, and then some private offices on the second floor and some short-term residences on the third. Because I honestly believe if we bring in really smart people to help us solve the coastal problems, uh, we're going to be better off. So we're going to have some short-term residences for scientists and and innovators on the third floor, uh, 
permanent, uh, not semi-permanent offices on the second, and then a shared co-work space on the first. So we are excited about it. Uh, we hope to break ground in the next 18 months, and students will come to Nichols and be able to launch a business before they graduate. Amazing. And Dr. Clune, I mean, cl- being closest to the coast obviously means so much for Nichols and its student body. Um, but, you know, we're seeing that communities and universities across the country are facing these environmental challenges. I mean, obviously we had Michael and Florence and the year prior hurricane season was absolutely devastating. I mean, is that part of what your vision is, is to kind of be a resource for other places that may experience what Louisiana is experiencing now, but in the future? Absolutely. I mean, I think with with what you're doing and our our research scientists and uh, folks in biology um, and the people that really at uh, Port Fouchon, uh, we've discovered so many things about how coasts are restored, what works, what doesn't work, how how you how you hatch gar in captivity, which no one else could do. So we've learned so much from being in that environment. We think we can help others live and be resilient in an environment. And we're doing right now a 25-year master plan so we can see for the next generation how are we going to survive in that environment. So um, we're up against kind of the end of the show. Jacques and I are going to talk about some activities coming up. But I want to say that as a Nicholson alum, it is so exciting to be on campus. I've been on campus for a little while, but um, somebody who came in from Baton Rouge to be with me for the investiture ceremony said that you could just feel it on campus, and it's really exciting, and there's just something different. It's not just the Chick-fil-A that you're going to put in my parking lot, which, by the way, I mean, if you weren't my favorite Nichols president, I mean, now you are. Thank you. Victoria and I were like, this is bad. We have to monitor each other on this one, too. It's so, um, And the football. I mean, you know, never went to a football game, ever. Until, right. until I went last year, went to a football game. So I feel like I'm experiencing Nichols. This sounds really cheesy, but all over again, right? I never went to the farm. I never lived on campus. And now I live in a dorm yeah. on campus yeah. that you're going to renovate for yeah. me. <laughs> I've been to the football game. So I love your vision and I love the way that you're executing it. And I know I'm, I'm not alone in that. Thank so. you. Keep up the good work. Um, we'll see if Nikki still invites us back to future classes. Um, Absolutely, we'll if you bring those goggles again. <laughs> <laughs> we we were, had an opportunity to bring Coast 360 to, to Nikki. And it's always, I think people are a little skeptical at first. And that's really Jacques Spring child and baby over there. And so it was really fun to see them put them on. And they got to go to Port Fouchon and do some things like that, too. So that's great. They did. And their reactions on both were incredible you know, some of these kids had never seen the gulf of mexico before some had never been on a boat before so it was really great to see their their reactions to that experience well and it's so exciting you know because even a few years ago who would have thought that we would have the technology to do that right and so who knows what we're going to have in a few years and what the well, students are going to gps it <laughs> right dr clue <laughs> that's right who knows what your students are going to be learning in about two or three years and so it must be such an exciting field to work in it is i can't wait so, Nikki, remind us again the website where you can find not just the information, uh, Nicholsworth, but also the end of semester. Yes, the Nicholsworth is the Nicholsworth.com, and you can get the, and the work done by the Environmental Communications class along with the Capstone class at nichols.edu slash mako, and then click on God Voici. And Dr. Clune Boots, Twitter handle, oh, I'm sorry. No, never. <laughs> Instagram, maybe. No, no. Okay. Well, thank you both being on the, for being on the show. Uh, there's a couple of different activities coming up. Shock, right? Yeah, I mean, temperatures have 
dropped, which means it's a good time to be out and get dirty and help restore the coast. So our partners at Coalition Restore Coastal Louisiana are hosting an oyster shell bagging this Saturday in Buras from 9 a.m. to 1 p.m. You can go to crcl.org to learn more. And they're also doing some work on um, on the North Shore, right? So uh, crush Louisiana's coastal threats. And yeah. that means, go ahead. Yeah, this is a, an effort that um, Audubon Louisiana is partnering with CRCL oh, cool. and Lower Ninth Ward Very CSED cool. and a lot of other groups to engage people in and around the Orleans area through coastal and environmental education. So I think there's going to be various op- uh, volunteer opportunities and lectures and that sort of thing. And if you're in or close to Jefferson Parish, they're going to have a Coastal 101 on November 15th. And there's more information that we'll have in future episodes. But basically, we want to talk to the people living in Upper Jefferson about um, just the coast in general and some of the things that they're experiencing in the city. Yeah, unquote. and we've had uh, Lauren Avril, mm-hmm. who works for Jefferson Parish, on the show before. And, you know, that's one of the things that she's focused on. I mean, you're if you're at the lakefront in Bucktown, it's quite right. different than if you're down in Grand Isle. But they all have challenges and opportunities. So how do you engage people, regardless of where they are in the parish? Yeah, so we're looking forward to that on November 15th. We'll share that information in upcoming episodes. But I think that about does right. it. And you are off to a really important event. I am. Yes, a very nice dinner for our friends at the National Fish and Wildlife Foundation. They are responsible for a significant amount of um, post-BP fine money um, resulting from the the criminal charges, but about $1.2 billion. Their national board is in town. They've done a flyover and they spent some time on every island and we have a chance to spend some time with them tonight. We're looking forward to that. And they they are the ones that funded uh, Caminata. That's exactly right. Between Nikki That's it. So I can't believe we're at a countdown to the end of the year. You know, it'll be Thanksgiving before you know it. I think our next episode might be number 75, but I need to fact check. It's always 50 in the heart. Need to fact check (laughs) the numbers. Um, But we've got.